This is Phil Fondy Carroll from Return of the Jedi, Garbage Pail Kids, Troll, Ghoulies 2, Land of the Dead, Willow, Bordello of Blood, Blood Dolls, Creep, Meridian, Phantasm 2, you name it, I've been in it. Now listen, hey, this is our Nightmare Joke Kid podcast. Out of your consciousness, like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that is still a Dupain member of the Eliza Dushku Fan Club. Mm-hmm. Member number 15432. <laughs> My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're frosting our tips as we go into the mouth of March Madness and travel back 20 years to talk the horror classics from our 2003 bracket. And whether you've gone to a roadside attraction or not, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when you drop your drop when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your rave hole. Uh, and you can actually find us raving out on social media. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which leads to shenanigans and nostalgic shenanigans. And as this episode is going to be releasing on Monday, March 20th, if you find yourself feeling nostalgic in the Kansas City area, head on over to Screenland.com where they will have your nostalgic shenanigans taken care of indoors and virtually. And as as we do here Mm -hmm. in the month where we go into the mouth of March Madness, Uh uh-huh. We are recording these way in advance. Because mm-hmm, we've learned from experience. <laughs> we've actually got it. We're not crazy, genius. Right. We've learned to <laughs> learn. Embrace the madness. And, and our experience has paid off. That being said, all you do have to do is go to screenland.com and you will see whatever uh, Friday Night Fright we will be taking in. Mm-hmm. All the other t- uh, repertory goodness. But more importantly... The bracket. How you gonna play the game? If you are not following us on social media, you will not have access to said bracket. And please continue to send in your completed brackets and show your work as much as you can. Mm-hmm. We'll even take pictures right in the back. It's cool. You're, I love it. It's so. You're so. You've got your NPR voice, which barely barely registers. No, no, it's all good. We're but then you get NPR. into your your bombastic, and I'm just like. <laughs> You're going all over the ASMR. Right, from ASMR to ASM Roar. Just <laughs> all over the place. All over the place. Well, and at this point, we've gotten through the 80s. Mm-hmm. We've gotten through the 90s. Mm-hmm. It's a new millennia. We survived. Yes. The Y2K bug. Uh-huh. And now, now we're worried about, we're getting ready for the 2012 apocalypse. Oh, that's right. We're already. We haven't yet survived yet. We so. were already looking forward to the next calamity mm-hmm. that would befall upon us. But in the meantime, we got some amazing horror films Absolutely. in the year of 2003. Mm-hmm. And I will ask you, genius, where were you in 2003? 2003, I would have been about 24, 25. So honestly, I don't remember 
much of uh, that time, but I remember having a lot of fun. Dancing? Oh, lots of dancing. I remember closing out the dance clubs. Just inch, 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 boots and pants and boots and pants. Drinking? Oh, yeah. having a, just, just knocking them back. Debauchery? Just don't dream it. Oh, man, 25-year-old genius unleashed in the world. So you sh- were you looking back now, do you realize you are, do you feel that you are wiser since then? Wiser might not be the word. More cautious. Yeah, wiser Wiser is good because- Experienced? Like, yeah, experienced. And tired. <laughs> More tired. It's oh. not, it's not so- <laughs> The mind is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's spongy and bruised. <laughs> Back it, then, I was a little more chussily. Now I'm a little more not. <laughs> those were the days where you... My salad days. Now I'm in my burger days. Oh. <laughs> and staying up all night was and, nothing. And nothing. And waking up the next day, nothing. Boom. Could do it. Pop. I'm ready to go. Ugh. I look back at those and wonder how I survived because I couldn't do it then. I mean, I, I couldn't do it now. No, not at all. Not uh-uh. at all. And it's incredible because 20 years doesn't seem like that no. long of time. No. But it really is. Right. And for those of you younger listeners who are like, man, these old fucking old fogies don't know what the hell they're talking about. To quote Abe Simpson, it will happen to you. And so consider a, we're your cautionary tale. You're, I, I often speak on Patreon, uh, my, the ghost of future Greg. Mm-hmm. It's this guy that shows up to the Stray Cat Theater, and he's always by himself, and he always inevitably reacts, overreacts, laughs like crazy at everything. So me? Kind of, almost like if our, our worst... Inf- uh, if we like Cronenberg, yes. <laughs> like if we met our past selves, then and like, boom, that's what happened. If we touch, I, yeah, from Ron Silver to that, it's totally yeah. beware. <laughs> it's inevitability, kids. It happens. <laughs> but what's great though is looking back uh, in 2003 is the variety, yeah, of horror films that we 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 received. Exactly, because what we see now, we see these cool, like from doing this in the past and seeing what we've done this before, we're seeing trends and we're seeing different things. And especially with the new millennia coming up, like last year's March Madness and this one, we're seeing this weird gumbo of old favorites Mm -hmm. trying to come back. We see like new terror. We see all these different interesting things. And one thing that I like is... It started earlier in earlier decades with the rise of J-horror and stuff like that, but now you see it more often in the 2000s, the new millennia. It's opening up the world. We're seeing more influences. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have a whole category about different genre category, international flair. So that's it was more accessible. The internet is rising. It's bringing more fears. It's bringing new hope. And so... The early 2000s was a fucking magical time from what I remember. But <laughs> so like, and as we see, looking back again, we're seeing these trends mm-hmm. and we're seeing that starting in the new millennia, it's the fucking wild west. Because in the 80s, it's a lot of slashers. There's a couple of oddballs here. In the 90s, there's some experimentation, but it's mm-hmm. usually the tried or true. But after the new millennia, 
fucking like like Zeus and Hulk Hogan, no holds barred. Well, that actually it's a the best place to start then is gonna be our first matchup. And you talked about the fact that there we've seen so many trends coming from the various decades we've gone into, mm-hmm. and you cannot argue against the success of the horror icons oh, yeah. that came out of the 80s. Well, like a good slasher, they're never gone for long. And they find themselves, one way or the other, always making a presence in a decade outside of their original one that they exist. Mm-hmm. So our first matchup here is definitely uh, Clash of the Titans. Battle for the ages. In many ways. And the bracket topic is... Freddy versus Jason versus Leatherface. As we are going to be talking, Ronnie Yu's Freddy versus Jason mm-hmm. and Marcus Nispel's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Mm-hmm. Which one do we start with? Let's do the Freddy. Oh! <laughs> okay. Do the Jason. <sighs> Let's just say, right off the bat, the fact that this film exists. Mm-hmm. Is a miracle. Mm-hmm. Yes. The fact that it's as good or bad as it is, I think, is a miracle. And as many we wish other things existed, i.e. casting and so forth, it's yeah. still a miracle. Yeah. And question, uh-huh. did you see this one in the theater? Oh, fuck yeah, I saw this one in the theater. I was there opening day. I was hyped, hyped. I was hyped since uh, Jason Goes to Hell. Yeah. You know, if I was you, hyped since uh, Predator 2. You know what I'm saying? So I was ready for crossovers. I was excited. I was like, all right, cool, let's do this. Do you remember wh- what you felt walking away once you saw it for the first time? Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Yeah, that's all right. I'm like, I have questions. Mm-hmm. I've got beef. I still have questions. I still have beef. <laughs> so you this know? has been like beef that has been simmering for 20 some odd years? It's old beef. It's like beef. It's beef for like, let me, perfect analogy. Mm-hmm. I haven't had beef in about 20 years, right? The other day on a whim, I'm like, fucking, I'm going to have beef for tomorrow at work at lunch, right? Fucking quick, fucking easy, voila. Give me some crackers, I'm set. I'm thinking in my mind, fucking beef was the shit back in the day, right? <clears throat> so I get the beef cook it up now, I get all that shit, make sure there's the uncheeseless beef Of course. Right? And I'm over sitting there, I'm like, all right, cool. Now. It's good, but it's not as good as I remember it, you know? And then thinking back, you know, maybe it wasn't that good back in the day either. Maybe I was just hungry, or maybe it was like, that's all we had. So, or maybe it was a different flavor of recipe back then. So I don't know. Well, and what's what hits for me is the fact that I did also see it in the theater. Mm-hmm. It was, And honestly, it was probably one of the first freddy or jason films i saw in the theater yeah yes oh yeah i was a, a I, you're a late bloomer i really was when it came to horror mm-hmm. but right now when i revisited it i definitely appreciate it more than i did in the theater yes then don't get my beaveroni analogy oh, no. wrong i i it's still a, it was still a filling meal i still enjoyed it for lunch right but it doesn't no and for me though it's the fact that when i look back now and it's the fact that you know Catherine isabel yeah is in it, which automatically adds to the genre credibility oh, yeah. oh, and plus aspect he of it. Got Robert England as Freddy Krueger. 
why the cane hotter is not there is not a different is neither here nor there and again casting stunt casting with destiny's child Ooh, kelly Rowland, right that wasn't a big deal for me you know what was a big deal for me then and now is that kelly Rowland dropping the f-bomb dropping f-bomb that came out of nowhere and that's another thing there was so many things implanted for no reason right jason's not a fucking afraid of water and if you go- I understand there what they were trying to yeah. say. Well, he's more vulnerable and all, but it didn't come across as that. And one thing, a trend that we're seeing in, um, in, and we'll talk about this later on in, in, in a lot of things, the rise of like Hong Kong cinema. And because he, Ronnie, you is a Hong Kong director, and there is a lot of shots where I was oh. ready for doves to come up behind Jason or Freddie to come up with like two guns because a lot of slow motion, like that weird choppy yeah. back in the day. And I'm like, God, is this a Golden Harvest movie? Because it's it, it felt like a, a mix of a lot of things that I really, really like. And there was a lot of stuff that I really, really liked. Some of the, for me, Jason stole the show in this one with kills. Freddie was in character, but there was something missing with him. I needed a little bit more punch with him. Him addressing me, breaking the fourth wall, bothered me then and it bothers me now because it almost seems like they understand this movie's going to be bringing in a bunch of new people. Yeah. So Freddie's going to be your guide and your narrator throughout this. The Jason stuff, I agree with you. In fact, that overhead shot when he's walking through the cornfield on fire. That was fucking rad. There was some great shots. The shot of Freddy's shadow coming out to get that guy, great. It Wonderful. Effective. When he's running through the cornfield on fire, that whole fucking chaos scene. That massacre. I love it. I love it. This don't like I said, don't get me wrong. This is some good ass beefaroni. I mean, it was filling. But again, Jason shouldn't be afraid of water. That's how it came across. There was Freddie was missing a punch or two. We didn't need Kelly Rowland to drop the f bomb. I'm really tired of that old stoner trope where everybody has to listen to Grateful Dead. If you want Jay and Silent Bob in your movie so fucking bad, get him in your movie. That's what I forgot about. And the minute he comes, that on, I was like, Jesus Christ, God, <laughs> man, and it annoyed me. I was, it, I was angry at him. That's just it. It did kind of take me out of this viewing. Yeah. Is that was that part of your beef? That that was my beef and still my beef. You know, every every beef that I had with this movie, I still have. Yes, I understand now a little bit more. Sure, I'm a little bit more like okay, eh, but I still have beef with it. Now, how about the actual final showdown? I thought it was great, honestly. Even even Jason doing that Matrix shit, Freddie coming up, it was almost reminding again very Hong Kong cinema it because it was almost like Jackie Chan versus Sammo Hung. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you have somebody a bit slower but can use his power, or maybe like a bolo, right? And somebody quick and fast, like very Spider Monkey. I didn't expect Freddie to have fucking sweet kung fu moves. And I wasn't ready for the wire work. It kind of threw me off. Mm-hmm. And it also didn't play by its own rules. Because when Catherine Isabel ripped Freddy's ear out and brought him in the world, it turned into maggots. So by that rationale, if you brought the whole Freddy out, what are y'all like, oh, shit, I'm in the real world. You know what I'm saying? That's fair. So there was a lot of like, wait a minute. And then come to the fact that like, and, and here's a beef with the director, not in his style, not in his approach, except for the Kelly Rowland shit. I think the stunt casting with Kelly Rowland, 
there's better actors, actresses, or turn. I mean, musicians. That's fair. I mean, just saying, just saying. And she didn't need to drop the f. Again, that f bomb is but, very much up right because it wasn't necessary back then either. It was jarring back then, right? Was she trying to pull a Frank Frank Randall's? I was just trying to cut the, through the treacle, you know. So like, <clears throat> anyway. I don't even remember where I was going with this. So you'd it, bring him out and then you'd like melt. But the fight scenes were cool. I wasn't expecting Freddy's kung fu moves. There were several times he drops a, a, an elbow. Some people's elbows. Yes. Right? Which, it, it, it's, I, I even distinctly remember watching it the first time. It didn't take me out. It was just different. Because this is the first time yeah. that we've got... This level, not since Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, it's a big monster crossover uh, happening. Yeah. yeah, and it they he had to make it over the top. I even think he mentioned he wanted to approach it like professional wrestling, right? And 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 it worked. It worked. I it's, mean, like again, I liked the fight, and I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with Kenny Sledge on this one. I think it was a hundred percent draw because if like yeah, Ferdy. He got decapitated. No, Jason did not decapitate Freddy. Uh, Maria Bello decapitated uh, Freddy, right? No, no, no. Monica no. Keena. Monica Keena. Sorry. Monica Keena. I always get those mixed up. Uh, Monica Keena decapitated Freddy, right? So mm -hmm. theoretically, Jason gave the final blow to... J uh, Freddy gave the final blow to Jason, and then Monica Keena gave the final blow to Freddy. But Jason's alive. Freddy's alive. It's a fucking draw. So Jason didn't win on this one. Freddie didn't win on this one. If anybody, Monica Keener win on this one. For me, it was the box office that won because this was the film that was the highest grossing Friday film and nightmare film. And it's something that they're still trying to sequelize, create more. I don't think we're ever going to get another Freddy versus Jason. Nope. I wish we would have got... I mean, and of course, we wish one hand shit in the other. But the comic book one... The comic book one of Freddy versus Jason versus Ash is fucking sweet. I have read that. It's fucking sweet. I Both read of them. the fall. Yeah, I was gonna say I even read the sequel of one. That would have been that would have been a tight movie, right? But if you're ever gonna do it again, we're gonna have to just start from the fucking scratch. <laughs> well, with it's it's let's go ahead and then go from a movie that you had a little beef with mm -hmm. to a film that involves a, a lot, lot of beef, beef but not the Garrett Graham kind, not that kind at all. But one that definitely is divisive because it is a remake. Uh, one that we've actually devoted an entire episode to, but the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. I saw this in the theater uh, up in Lawrence. I was mm -hmm. I had probably just was my first few months living up there. It was a midnight screening, and truth be told, beyond the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two, it was one of my first ones ever, and it stayed with me. And even revisiting it, I still think. This is a really good remake. It's mean. Oh yeah. It's, well, it's 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 a really good remake. I mean, but see, it's this is what you do. You take almost the bare bones of it and then you switch it around because the remake is hot and gritty. This one is wet and slimy. It's two totally different feelings, but it's the same gist of of the story. Well, was this one that you caught in the theater? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Plus Jessica Biel. <laughs> Writing Riding that hot wave out of the Gear Magazine spread. Yes, I am that guy that was probably a Maximum style enthusiast. See, I'm over here from the, like, is that the Rooms of Heaven? Right? 
Like, wow, she's really ditching the good girl attitude. Be first thing she's up is in fever pitch and then fucking Texas Chainsaw. No, vice versa. Texas Chainsaw. And they even the lovingly homage butt shot, mm-hmm. which they try to recreate in all of the Texas Chainsaw Massacres. Right. But you talked about the ver- the difference of wetness mm-hmm. between the movies this or is a in terms wet of movie. the moisture and the wetness. Uh, Daniel Pearl shot both of them. You know, the guy that shot the first one in the original shot the remake. It's probably significantly better conditions in the remake than there was in the original. Better better conditions, more money. Uh, it, but that's the other thing, too, is this film carries the stigma of one Michael Bay mm-hmm. and the whole Platinum Dunes, which, to me, we've, we've always been on the side of a remake never erases the original. Right. Ideally, it brings people to the original. Mm-hmm. It brought me to the original. Yeah. And and especially if done well, done with a, as a good homage mm-hmm. and not just as a cash grab. And I like it on its own terms as well. Right. Because of you mentioned the differences in them, the meanness of this one. This is a mean movie from the get. And it's a different kind of mean cuz I'm not saying Tobey Hooper's fun or a comedy. That one, it's a mean movie, but that's more playful mean. Mm-hmm significantly more playful mean this one is like traumatic mean and i you know what i i I think you can trace it to the the difference in the performance of leatherface the difference of the hitchhiker oh (laughs) because that is okay a mean one of the meaner aspects of the movie but but one of the cooler shots of the movie i'd argue one of the coolest shots in in cinema oh my god just but just the the of, of what it goes through to get said shot is just like she would rather blow her brains out than to experience back. any of that again. And then just the panning shot through while it's smoking. It's oh, uh, all of man. that. Uh, K and B did the effects work, which it shows, and with the variety of the chainsaw skills. But uh, it goes again to like Gunnar Hansen's performance of Leatherface as someone that is. More introverted, mm-hmm. reacting to people in versus fridging. someone who is actively attacking. But it's not even again. This is the terror. Main terror doesn't even come from Leatherface. It comes from uh, the oh. difference of between Papa Sawyer versus oh, Sheriff Hewlett. And Sheriff, just when you think that mean, awful suicide could not get any worse, here comes the slimiest, <laughs> most reprehensible awful cop and not the first time we're going to see some eyebrows that overtake a movie right? in this bracket right there, that's actually could have been a possible pairing now looking back at it uh Lee R Ermy he R. is R Lee Ermy is despicable get it right maggot <laughs> the, let's bag it up everything give me some help with the oh you cop a feel oh, just that was I'm like, oh, come on. She's man. deader than the doornail. She ain't going to get. I mean, everything about him. It's but gross. Just gross from tip top to bottom. But he's also one of those character actors that you cannot help but be enthralled by it. Right. Like, he commands at the screen. He's wonderful. So, yeah, they actually definitely expand upon the family in the, in the remake. Because it's not just um, the. Uh, Bubba and the brother oh, and Grandpa. It's, it's it, that's almost a whole community. It's almost Google Gobble. It's almost Summer Tumberfield, Texas. It's 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 still scary though. Uh, and obviously, from the way it's shot to the gore to the performances, and it's got Larry Cat. 
at the very beginning. With Pro- the f- and probably not paid in pot this time. I or, imagine. Or, <laughs> or if they wanted to make it authentic. Like, hey, dude. But now this time, instead of a couple of J's, it's like a pound or two. <laughs> our, all right. Well, that's fine. Very good dealing with you, Dan Dan Fielding. <laughs> that's another age of demarcation there. <laughs> uh, obviously, a lot of love given both to both of these films, but only one can make it into the round of the Scream 16. And as you know, here in the first round, we go holistically with the heart and the head. So the first bit of criteria is which of the two films is closer to your heart? Closer to the heart. Now that, come on, Jason, if you're going to sing it, sing it with heart and gusto. Like this. Closer to the heart. Now, Lord, listen, if I want to take singing advice from some sort of old dandy, I'll come and ask you then. But until then, you let me sing the song that I want to fucking sing my own way. All right, Jason, no need to get your knickers in a twist. Let's not get our style. Remember, there's no bloodshed at the Continental. Sing it your way. Fine, right. Closer to the heart. Rob freaking Bo. That was wonderful. <laughs> I don't want it to end now. <laughs> Continue the ver- the rest of Into the Mouth of March Madness with Statham and McShane, please. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> if you want this show to go beyond March Madness, I can't. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, <coughs> Genius McGee, uh, Freddy versus Jason, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Which of the two films is closer to your heart? Walking out both of the theaters, I remember, like, Saying, yeah, that was pretty good for Freddy versus Jason, but like, oh, that was pretty fucking good for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I thought it was well done and it provided some really good scares. And I remember really enjoying and walking out thinking, well done. Well done, Platinum Dunes. Let's see what else you got, Marcus Nipsel. I'm ready for you. And as I've seen later on, I dig his shit. You love the Friday the 13th remake. I dig his shit. So I'm going to go for Close to the Heart, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This is a tougher one for me as well because I did see both of them in the theater. But the fact that I had experienced a lot of Freddy and Jason before I took in Freddy versus Jason, I had taken very little of Leatherface when I saw that remake. And between the two of them, the the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake legit kind of unnerved me to the point when I was walking back from the movie theater, I was unnerved like i was looking around <laughs> terrified that something would get me like that because i thought more of the reality of a crazed cannibal versus a dream demon or a hulking monster mm-hmm. uh, and because of that it's kind of like a, a dragon i chase in terms of the fear so uh the the nostalgia hit me hits me more with the texas chainsaw massacre now from the heart to the head looking at the bracket topic itself Freddy versus Jason versus Leatherface. There's a number of ways that you can probably break this down and interpret it, so I'm anxious to hear, genius, which one gets your vote? How are you breaking this one? See, so I'm kind of the frosted shredded mini-wheats on this one, okay? Because in terms of overall cool kills, it has to go to Jason. But for overall, who I could, because he's some of the best kills in that, that one, the the overkill and the slamming on the, the bed. bed and all that, the decap was one, and then of course the the cornfield massacre. Fire. However, the switch of this uh, Leatherface was a well done switch. Mm-hmm. It takes the original and again taking him from like a, a, for lack of a better term, 
scared, uh, home invasion, simple-minded, like, man-child mm-hmm. just protecting his turf versus now a hulking, unstoppable brute a la Jason mm-hmm. Voorhees. And so for that one, I'm going to have to go with Leatherface. I think Leatherface would... While I think if it came down to all three, Jason would whoop that ass. <laughs> I just think he would have a harder time with this leather face than he would with Gunnar Hansen. That's fair. That's fair. Now, when I am looking at Freddy versus Jason versus Leatherface, I took into the account the performances themselves based on the actors they were able to rein in. And Andrew Bernarski, as Leatherface, as you said, definitely makes him more modern kind of like with uh, uh, what Rob Zombie did with ha- Michael Myers, mm-hmm. with Tyler Mayne, make him this just big, hulking yeah. dude yeah. that looks nothing really like the original. And he's fairly terrifying in it, like you said. But one of the things that I've always loved with Leatherface since I've started taking in the original so many times is the fact that he is just this, is this normal cannibal butcher that was at home doing his stuff at home, and then all these crazy kids came in and threw things off, uh, that interpretation just doesn't really work for me, but that's okay. It's still terrifying. Uh, Robert Englund, Freddy Krueger, the original, the only, the best. You can't still, fuck with the OG. You st- can't fuck with the OG. Still giving it his all. Mm-hmm. Uh, just wonderful. Uh, uh, Ken Kurzinger as Jason. Played him before, I think, as in uh, Part 8. Jason goes to Manhattan for a couple mm-hmm. of stunt scenes. There's a lot of baggage from the the Kane Hodder stuff. Yeah. And if I'm if they would have brought in the Kane Hodder, if we would have had England Hodder, you could not vote against Freddy versus mm-hmm. Jason. However, because I've heard Andrew Bernarski's comments when Gunnar Hansen passed, he's kind of a garbage person. Yeah. Ah, uh, I gotta go with Freddy versus Jason. But I forgot about that. But it doesn't matter because by a vote of three to one, uh, buzzsawing its way into the round of the stream 16, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. And you know what? We just talked about Rob Zombie mm-hmm. and his contribution to the, the remakes with Halloween. Uh, our next bracket topic does indeed involve... Said Rob Zombie. Yeah. And is actually going into a genre, a, a subgenre of horror mm-hmm. that you would never find yourself in. Nope. I'm sure throughout the entirety of both these films, you're like, yeah. Nope. <laughs> I, 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 mm. I see no representation on screen. Uh, not at all. As we are delving into a hillbilly hootenanny. Although I do like to get fucked up and do fucked up shit. We'll get to that. As we are talking, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses going up against Wrong Turn. So which one do we get uh, fucked up with first? Let's go get let's get the Hillbilly Deluxe. <laughs> the Hellbilly Deluxe? Let's go to the Hellbilly Deluxe. I saw this in the theater, Genius McGee. Me too. Now, I bet you, though, in your screening, you did not have a mother and her three to five kids running around the theater. Fuck. It was awkward. Yeah. But I didn't have to deal with it the entirety of the time, because after a certain long crane shot involving one Walter Goggins, she gathered them all up and left. Made it all the way to that point, though. 
And it was one of those things that when she walked in with her kids, I was in my head, like going, fuck. Right. Like, are you kidding me? But it made it memorable. And I walked away, though, going, well, that was something. A movie. It, it, well, I even to this day, it's just you can see the seeds of what would later come to, I think we agree, mm-hmm. Lords of Salem, his yeah. best work. I, I really enjoy Lords of Salem. But with this one, I mean, it is such a stitched together Rob Zombie pastiche mixtape greatest hits before he'd even made a movie. Yep. But I could definitely go, that's a Rob Zombie movie. Mm-hmm. So He definitely made his impression on Cinema No. Oh. And before I get into anything I'm going to say about this movie, I have to say Rob Zombie has my utmost respect. He has made a signature style of his movies. He's filling his dream. He's made movies happen. I respect what he's done for the genre immensely. That being said, again, like my statements with Freddy versus Jason and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a lot of the beef that I have with this movie has been 20-year-old beef. Now, this one has been simmering. This one has been still cooking, because I still do not like Rob Zombie movies. And upon rewatch, I realize why I don't like this movie. Now, again, Rob Zombie, I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. The first 20 minutes of this movie, fried gold. Anytime Captain Spaulding was on the screen, fried gold. When the robbers come in and that old, like, that big bird, <laughs> wonderful. He's, he's collaborating with Michael J. Pollard on top of that. It's perfect, wonderful. right? Wonderful. And then it just... And then we get the teens, the disposable teens. I'm like, hey, it's fat Chris Hardwick. I remember him, right? And so <laughs> and so that was fine. You know, it was okay. The how the terror fine. Again with Spalding, everything was great. And this is probably a lot of people's first introduction to Sid Haig. Right. And and, and a lot of character a lot of these character actors. Well, and this is chocked. Well, this is Tarantino esque levels of this is who I love, grew, grew up watching, and this is who I want to be, and this is who I currently love, mm-hmm. and this is who I want to put in the movies. He has put together just the Rob Zombie players, mm-hmm. and it's great because it's a combination of all these character actors from these B-movies that he identified early on as like, they're really great, and I, they deserve more chances to get, to yeah. further their career. Right. And, I mean, Sid Haig, up until... You know, sadly, when he passed, he was one of those cats that understood what this was able to do for him. This was his renaissance. Yeah. He, this was his... Uh, Sid Haig is to Rob Zombie what John Travolta was to Tarantino. I mean, just boom, sparked his career up in the later half, and I know he loved it. You know, he said how many times... He's gone on record how many times he loved it, and he's grateful for all the fans and all the new fans. So, what again... A- I got to give him as much credit for that as just, as now, possible. Let me ask you if some of the beef that doesn't sit well with you and it's the thing that's always kind of bugged me from seeing it the first time to this recent viewing. The weird intercuts? The interstitials, yeah. I don't like that. That's music video shit. Keep that in the music videos. Rob Zombie's style works best in smaller chunks. It's the same thing I say for Ari Aster. I'm not saying, 
you know, everything that they put out is trash. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying they work better in small. Because Ari Aster, I really like the strange things that they did about the Johnsons. But it was a smaller movie. Sure. His videos, he has some of the best music videos. Some of the coolest music videos. Fucking Living Dead Girl? Grand. But it's only about five minutes. Yeah. Right? So, again... You can't put a music video thing, and and then uh, please, I know, sheath your tweets because I know <laughs> House of a Thousand Corpses is a lot of people's favorite fucking movie mm-hmm. of all time. And again, it's not my bag. If it's your bag, cool. You know, I'm not saying right, but again, I'm that first twenty minutes just set me on this high. And then once we go into Doctor, and then with the weird family, it started. She started getting annoying. Baby was good. She's hot, but she was getting a little bit on my nerves, right? And then we go into Dr. Satan land, and that just, I'm like, I'm not threatened by Muppets and Nemesis. I'm sorry you lost me. None of this. I'm not saying I don't like surprises and weirdness, because I right. love me some yeah, surprises yeah, and do. weirdness, yeah, right? But. Out of nowhere, and it's just like, hey, we're gonna throw you into my um Argento-esque puppetry land. Like I'm gonna Cronenberg, Jim Henson, and fucking uh, uh Panos Cosmatos together. <laughs> well, I and have put a, it together. I, well, number one, and yeah, we know that there was a lot of studio interference, all the issues they had, but you kind of had a feeling that he probably didn't know if he was gonna be able to make another movie. So I'm gonna stick in everything, everything that I've enjoyed. But it's also mean. Like mean for that whole like panning shot. I was like, why? It's he's being creative. He grew up on seventies mean grindhouse movies, right? That were non apologetic. That were made you uncomfortable. And I would almost argue, I think he'd be better off directing something that he himself didn't write. Yeah, as he had. You are a foul-mouthed monster, my I friend. Am, I am a foul-mouthed monster. you hold no candle. Nothing. To nothing to that. Any scene with the fireflies, any scene of the Myers in the, Michael, in the new Halloween, I, and I'm not that I'm like, oh, I'm not put off by it at all. But at the same time, fuck, say something else. I mean, like, add a little bit more flair. I mean, I'm not, and again... I I loved the first twenty minutes. Anything with Sid Hagen, this was great. But then the Fireflies got a little bit on my nerves, and then Doctor Satan just fucking lost me. And the fact though that this movie created a franchise, and like you said, these are some of people's, you know. uh, uh, But Bill Mosley did great. That's just it. Yeah, Bill Mosley did fucking great. Uh, Karen Black did great. Right. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's totally good. So, going from uh, Rob Zombie to definitely The Backwoods and another film... That you won't fucking find me near. No, oh God, Hell no, no. God, no. But another one that actually did launch a franchise, uh, Wrong Turn, which I'm assuming that you did indeed see this one in the theater, Genius. Oh, yeah, of now, course. Monster uh, Killer Hillbilly movie starring Elijah Dusku. Of course. Uh, Elijah Dusku of Bring It On fame. Of Yes, of course I would have been there first. I saw it twice. <laughs> I was 
also there because of that. Uh, also, I will add in a little my love of her character from Buffy and Angel. Faith, always good. Faith is the shit. But I was actually really surprised with this one, especially built upon it's almost, it's very minimal in terms of the characters. And it's old school. It's fucking just it, before dawn. It's, yes, it is. It's people it's, lost in the woods with hillbillies. Uh, oh, and the hillbillies here. Definitely stark contrast. We'll eventually get into our topics of all that. But the fact that, like, Three Finger, uh, they've got names. They've got characteristics that have carried over through that the entirety of the franchise. But this starts as backwoods cautionary tale. Mm-hmm. Stay on the path. And dispatching these attractive teen characters. Teens. Early, early adults. Jeremy Sisto's dope. I love me some Jeremy Sisto. Jeremy Sisto's the shit. From his line of in Clueless, my foot hurts, can I go to the nurse? I've just always loved that guy. Um, the fact that we've got two characters uh, in that were in the Dawn of the Dead remake mm-hmm. that were kind of our first red shirts mm-hmm. that get offed. And going back and rewatching this movie, it was a lot meaner than I remember with some of the kills. Yeah, the kills. The fucking... Um kind of pseudo mouth garrot with the barbed wire. Oh. That was rough. A lot of that was razor rough. and barbed wire. A lot of razor and barbed wire. You would think this is like Japanese like wrestling influence. Exactly. Like fucking all of a sudden mankind is coming out and shit. Fucking jumping on cages and they were probably offshoots of like Hillbilly Jim, Uncle Elmer and all those. Exactly. He's got the big old hacksaw. Jim Doug. Woo! Fucking <laughs> It's it's the the quality of the kills in fact the one where the head is cleaved, <laughs> and then actually when when she it's mean too because she's cleaved, and then her body boom 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 and fucking pinballs down. Was I was not expecting that with that this. made me giggle. No, that that's... made me fucking laugh aloud in the theater. I remember, and I was like, <laughs> and then what also made me laugh was that giggling hillbilly because I could just picture him coming <laughs> right, just like laughing, just as he was coming to get him, and it made me giggle, and I still giggled fucking watching her fall down pinball style and him <laughs> especially when he like did that cartoony esque and got the branch and threw him out and then That's... he pinballs ding 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 <laughs> it, it gave me a laugh it gave me a laugh you don't expect a lot of levity it's and stuff not, I'm like not that. supposed to laugh at this but as That's... we established I'm a monster so they know how to appeal to you right? do they not <laughs> Uh, seriously, if you're going to see someone get decapitated and fall out of a tree, you want to see, like, bunk, 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 the Homer Simpson going down the mountain. It's part of the overall gag. Mm-hmm. You have to have that kind of a payoff. The, again, the horror and the humor all uh, overlap in that same Venn diagram. So uh, other thoughts on Wrong Turn before we take these two films to task? They burned them. They're trying to smoke them out of it. Um, only the radio who tower? Can, only who can prevent forest fires? You pressed hillbillies. <laughs> well, you know, and it's technically not the first time we've talked wrong turn on Into the Mouth of March Madness. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Lynch's uh, wrong, wrong turn, turn too. Back in the very first. Which is a really good sequel. Which is like... A, it's a different tone, so I don't know. I it's, don't know if it's better or worse, but I mean, it's definitely more fun, and it's pretty fucking brutal. Anything Joe Lynch puts out, I'm down for. And I haven't seen any of the other sequels, though. 
Three's cool. Is it? Three's cool. Um, I can't remember four and five. I have a wrong turn six pack. I don't know. I don't know what number they're up to now because I think there was like offshoots and spinoffs and like a whole fucking weird hillbilly universe. I don't even know if like the same mutant hillbillies come back past three. I know they don't. All of them don't come back from three. Well, regardless, the fact that there are that many to choose well, from. Fuck, and then uh, House of a Thousand Corpses is a franchise as well. And. From Devil's Rejects to... Three from Hell. Yeah, which is, and I've seen that. Same here. And because of the runtime. Same here. <laughs> so, lot to love with both of these films, but only one can make it into the next round. So, of the two films, House of a Thousand Corpses or Wrong Turn, Genius McGee, which one is closer to your heart? Yeah. Um, I remember coming out of House of a Thousand Corpses going, eh, it's all right, you know? <laughs> right, beef. Um, but I remember coming out of Wrong Turn, like, that was pretty good. Yeah, I like that movie. So I'm going to go with, for, and I'm still kind of the same way. So I'm going to go for Close to the Heart. I'm going to go with uh, House, or pfft, Wrong Turn. Wrong Turn? Mm-hmm. Wrong Turn it is. And I didn't see Wrong Turn in the, th- I know I did see the Wrong Turn in the theater, but I didn't have the experience of House of a Thousand Corpses. And I, we talk about the importance of seeing a movie in the theater, the communal experience, and so sometimes certain experiences can ruin a movie. Sometimes they can enhance it. But that lady and her kids, her leaving after that moment, I mean, that's something that sticks with me, that when I watch this movie and that moment's happening, I can see myself. I was at the uh, the Ward Parkway Theater, whichever that was, an AMC or, or whichever one that was. I just was giggling to myself like, oh, this this is what made her leave. And I... So that's always going to draw me back. So uh, closer to the heart, I'm going to go with the thou- House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, but from the heart to the head, hillbilly hootenanny genius. Mm-hmm. What are you saying on that? Uh, <laughs> as much as I like to get fucked up and do fucked up things, and I'm sure partying with Baby Firefly would be cool for a little bit. I'm sure it'll get annoying after a while. And they are seem to have a party. However, when I'm thinking of hillbillies and I'm thinking of killer hillbillies, I would much rather have my backwood killer hillbillies than fucking awful white trash killer hillbillies, right? So I would much rather party with some Appalachian mountain men rather than with some fucking redneck Confederate flag wearing kill anything that fucking doesn't look right thing, you know? So for Hellbilly Hoot or Hillbilly Hoot Nanny, I'm gonna go wrong turn. That's fair, that's fair. And authenticity, I think, counts with a hoot nanny. Mm-hmm. Because what is the difference? There's a hoot nanny and then there's a hoedown. Uh-huh. We're talking a hoot nanny with hillbillies. And there's definitely the differentiation of authenticity, backwoods hillbillies with great strength to the ones that are just off the side of the road, just off the beaten path. Uh, however, there is something with the Hootenanny that I think you'd get with the Firefly clan that you wouldn't get with the Cannibals because they're giving you like the dinner theater oh, experience. Partying. I want to be loved by you. Burlesque, you got just like the ribald comedy. I don't even get it. I love a good dirty joke. But I was even like, God damn, Grandpa, you weird-ass carnival barker. <laughs> and I was a little upset that we didn't get to the entirety of it. So right. in terms of a hillbilly nanny, I want the one that's offering me the most bang for the buck. And that's for me, fair. that's a House of a Thousand Corpses, which means we have a tie. And if we have a tie, 
We look to a little magazine on the cover of the old thing. Go, gonna buy one copy for my mother. Gonna buy some movies on Shutter. Gonna see my gruesome face on the cover of the old Fango. And Fango was still definitely uh, alive and kicking in 2003. And both of these movies did appear on the cover of Fangoria Genius. Oh, okay. One was on the film side. Uh huh. One made the cover not once, but twice. Hmm. And because of that, just say it now. Yeah, making its way into the round of the Scream 16. Fuck. House of a Thousand Cards. Blame Fangoria, my friend. Blame Fangoria. Fuck. <laughs> I, lo- <laughs> I love the unfiltered beefness coming out. <laughs> God, oh. I respect I respect Rob Zombie. Uh, it's... But again, I'm disappointed in you, man. Well, you know what? It's probably because the fact that there was a lot of anticipation and expectations. You're on the cover of Fangoria twice. Mm-hmm. You've got some uh, some stuff to lead up to, but that leads us to our next matchup. And occasionally, we run into a couple of films that we know we wanted to talk about, but we couldn't quite figure out how to classify and put together. So occasionally, we got to break out. Wild card, bitches! Me! Yeah! <laughs> and our wild card matchup is definitely uh, one I saw in the theater and one I only watched for the first time. Uh, We've got Final Destination 2 going up against Dreamcatcher. Which one shall we take in first? Ooh, let's go ahead and talk about Dreamcatcher. Ooh, okay, now this was a first-time viewing for me. Knew it via the trailer, knew the whole, you're not Jonesy, and then the, the little shaking of the head, and are they all good? Are they... Yeah, Dave gave a little <laughs> bit of a hiss. A little hiss. Now, it should be noted, if any of you follow Genius McGee on social media, we are recording this on the night that he brought in and let out Fred or Frank? Fred or Frank. Frank or Fred. And they are right now actually um, adjusting yes. with all of his cats. So we are focusing on that as well. But... uh yeah, Dreamcatcher, this one definitely felt 2003. Uh-huh. Uh, first and foremost, seeing Jason Lee in pretty much anything, I've always been a big fan of his. Uh, the fact that we've got Timothy Oliphant. Young. Young Timothy Oliphant. Uh, we've got uh, No Stranger to the Stephen King Universe in Thomas Jane. Mm-hmm. And we've got Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman saying, and his eyebrows saying, shit weasels. Those... Those eyebrows between him and Ermy from Texas Chainsaw, that should have been a matchup. Right. Like those Buddy two. Buddy cop with them, and then all of a sudden, hey, there's a hitchhiker. It's Walter Matthau. No, no. And, and it's, uh, oh, that other Matthau. What's the other, the, the, Wish Matthau? <laughs> yeah, Walter Matthau, and then, um, Jesus Christ, Alone in the Dark. Oh, uh, oh, with eyebrows. Yeah. Martin Landau. Martin Landau. And then you've got to actually have Peter Gallagher thrown in there somewhere as well. Oh, yeah. He's in the trunk. <laughs> Let's just say, those eyebrows were distracting. Shit weasels. You've got the eyebrows paired up against a playing it kind of cool Tom Sizemore, mm-hmm. which was... A weird story arc Sizemore. But the fact... I wasn't shocked, though, like this collection of character actors and then 
the shit weasels. Mm-hmm. And actually, I thought a nice combination. Shit weasels are cool. Of CGI and practical effects. Yeah, the shit weasels are cool. And I didn't fully realize that it was all about a, a an alien gray invasion. Right. I told and and added that a buffet. A king-sized buffet of all oh. the little bit of this. I mean, every single. You had a little bit of Firestarter. You had a little bit of It. You had a little bit of Stand By Me. You had a little bit of Dead Zone. You had a little bit of um, all sorts of madness. Fucking, I'm surprised it didn't take place in Castle Rock. It, that's the only thing I wasn't shocked about in terms of the Stephen King check the list off, the greatest hits. Uh, this is Later Day King. Uh-huh. <laughs> and <laughs> some would actually say, "Would a did you read the book? Mm-mm. Okay, the, is it a book or a novella? That's just it. I can't remember if that's if that's it or if it's a Bachman title. Yeah, because his Bachman stuff, I've, good stuff. I've always enjoyed a lot. Me too. Tack. Yeah, that's one of those yeah. signposts there. So there were moments throughout the movie that I really actually enjoyed. Uh-huh. Uh, the gore I thought was a very effective. In fact. Fucking farts. I, I, it's it's nasty gore. Oh, it's like mean intestinal IBS stuff right. that's like not funny for a no. lot of people. I that's mean, like no, yeah, it's like if I eat a whole shitload of cheese. Yeah, you know, weasels, right? So and then no matter how much I want a fucking uh, toothpick, Jason Lee put that shit down. Well, and then we got the fact. What is his name? Duddy. Duddits. and. So here's the thing. I can understand when people are like, oh, it might be problematic because Donnie Wahlberg is not a special needs right, person. Right. He's he's not playing a special needs person. Spoilers. He's playing an alien. <laughs> he's not even human. So that whole Would you that say whole he's argument more human than human. <laughs> Duddits. Right. I always liked that. I always yeah. thought that Duddits giving people magical powers. You know, give the loser club some powers. Make them little. Sh- give them the shin, yep. shin for everybody, and that get a little bit more battle. I wish that the Greys didn't take out our whole motley, almost our whole motley. Spoilers, our whole motley crew, because I would like to see the further adventures of the Super Losers Club. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because they were tight. They yeah. were cool. Oliphant was trying not to be creepy, but he was. But he was. Being helpful? How else are you going to use the powers? It's They had a nice little goof crew collected, like all the specific... And they met Duddits by going to go see Dirty Magazines in a gas station. <laughs> that is just... That's vintage King. Stephen King. Because they yeah, had to even fucking walk across the uh, train tracks to go see... I heard the prom... You can see the prom queen's pussy. What? And so they're going to go... How? <laughs> just so, but with that's how but he that's writes them. What we, yeah. But also, and you how know, growing up, yeah. there's a picture. Oh, oh let's yeah, go. let's go see. Yeah, it was a nice surprise. And I, I think, again, the baggage I brought was just based on the trailer that I'd always saw, just kind of like, eh, this and that. Oh, adjusting. So yeah. nice. No, I've always been a fan of this movie. and I But I, but I can understand the criticisms and people like, oh, well, it's just King's Greatest Hits. Fucking so. I like <laughs> I like buffet. If anybody's a fan of a buffet, yeah. it's me. Yeah. You know? So, of course, I like a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And I got it with Dreamcatcher. I thought Dream... I've always been a fan of this movie. And I always like the concept that, no, yeah, there's other alien races and they're disguised and saying mm-hmm. they're friendly. But meanwhile, they just want to make you shit their offspring out. 
Violently. Horrible. Violently. So None of it looked pleasant. No. None of it looked pleasant. And you know what else? One thing about the Dreamcatcher that I've always been a fan of? The interpretation of the inner monologue. Mm -hmm. The inside of the mind. Yeah. The way that it's compartmentalized. That was very And cool. the way it's like almost a bookstore. I loved that. It, I loved it. It, it, it calls to uh, Dr. Sleep yeah. when he's putting those stuffs away in the boxes. Yeah, and that's Stephen King, as you say, compartmentalized. He's got a lot of stuff yeah, that he's taken care of. Yeah, but it was so well done. It's a very very cool visual representation. By a very cool like award-winning journeyman uh, director, Lawrence Kasdan. Oh, it, it cl so I only recently watched The Big Chill a couple of years ago for the first time. That's nice and it's plays differently. It plays different as a, you know as well, an adult. I thought it was an old fogey movie when growing up. That's just it. And so it, probably now it'll probably hit me hella hard. Oh, it'll work for you in a, in a number of ways. So that's what actually was kind of staying with me watching it as well. No, so this one was definitely a nice uh, first time watch. Now going to a movie that's not a first time uh, watch, at least for me, and I know for you, uh, Final Destination Two. Fuck that movie. Talk about movies that change cultures and change the way people interact in real life. Every time I see a logging truck or trucks with like some shit hanging about, fucking instantly, Final Destination 2. And I'm like, nope, yep. I'm going to get to the side, I'm going to yep. let that truck pass, or I'm going to try to go I, in front of it. I might I'm not. I'm going to go a different route right. at this no, point. I will I'm inconvenience done. myself. I bet, I bet, like, you know, Stephen King, when all the clowns were pissed off because Pennywise, I bet all the, like, logging truckers were pissed off. Like, man... Nobody will fucking drive near us now every time we're on the road because of that fucking movie. And I think the reason that we're so scared is because it's so effective. Mm -hmm. the fact and it's so realistic. It's practical. And There's it can so happen. That's the thing. You'll never see my ass in wrong turn land. You know, you'll never see my ass where Jaws can get me. But I have to go to work. Yep. I have to go to this highway. Yep. You know, especially living in Kansas, if you want to go anywhere, you got to get on the highway. So, yeah, no, fuck that. That's what makes it instantly scary. The dentist? No, nah, that's scary. That's the beauty of the terrifyingness of the Final Destination movies. You're always looking to it's see always, what's, what's going to get you. And it's the red herrings. Yeah. It's like, okay, you're going to get electrocuted by that. No, we're just going to drop a window pane on your ass. The, my God. <laughs> that gave my me the God. biggest giggle because twice I laughed at children getting decapitated or blown up or shit. Big the, giggles. Th that end explosion still gets me. The, the, the suddenness of the kills throughout this series, it's the, 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 uh, oh my God, the, with the thing blowing up in the, Oh, 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 that was great. With the head just went poop. <laughs> I can't. Why can't I remember it off the top of my head? Steering wheel, it comes out. Oh, the airbags. Jesus Christ. When, and Air then it makes her impale her back of the head. Ah, right when you, she thinks you, right when she missed being killed on one thing, she gets fucking off the other thing. It's the meanness of yep. death, but it's also not ironic kills but oh. it's kind of that little bit of humor because oh, yeah. you're like oh shit i wasn't expecting that it's like you're like god damn you're shocked but you're laughing yeah just a little bit of giggle unless you're like me and it's the child being thrown by chasing pigeons getting smashed or the kid being blown up at the barbecue but at the same time that's also kind of scary because i like the barbecue 
you can't help but feel like anything that you do, <laughs> it's going to come back to and get you. And they fucking killed the, the, the survivor of the first movie, and they let her live almost, almost to the end. Almost to the end, yeah. And then, oh, nope, you're dead in a hospital horror scene. There oh. you go. Hey, Greg. <laughs> Forget it. I'm not going to be there. And that's the thing. Clear Rivers, as portrayed by Ali Larder, who is just one of those great actors. Mm-hmm. And I was always bummed because you, she made it so far. It's a nice little trick beaten death for a while. to letting you invest in the character. And the fact that there's so many characters in this one, so you have a lot of people that you see dispatched. But they juggle it nicely, even with the whole bait and switch of like, oh, only life can defeat death. Psych! Yep. So like, Well, and then also the connections that they have with the people from the original. I like that. It's good world building. And this is another film that just, in terms of the like the franchise it created, as we know, if you follow the franchise, it really follows and closes really kind of wonderfully. Uh, yeah, this is just one of those that I'm always looking forward to go back to because of I think it contains the set piece because Final Destination is known for their opening set The opening pieces. kills are always the best yeah. kills for and the most part. Usually. Because there's some good kills oh. like in the newer one and like the latest one the gymnastic kill. Oh my god. That one's the more memorable one. Yeah that's true. That's true. But in terms of the opening set pieces Where I'd the argue. big massacres happen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that this one. is an all this is an all timer because yeah. it's so realistic. No, I agree. I agree. So a lot of love given to both of these films but only one can make it into the next round. So looking at Final Destination 2 and Dreamcatcher uh, Genius McGee which of the two films is closer to your heart? While I've always, always been an, a uh, proponent for Dreamcatcher, fucking Final Destination 2 changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> and not for the better. So for closer to the heart, I got to give it to Final Destination 2. It's made me change the way I think. Because... Uh, if I saw all animals will go in the forest going one way, of course I'm gonna yeah. freak out and I'm yeah. gonna go the other way. But one, you're not no. gonna find me there. No. But I'll be goddamned if you're gonna see me behind a logging truck from now on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and if I and if you do, you know I'm fucking white knuckling like I'm driving in ice. You know? So no, I'm gonna go for this one close to the heart. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm giving it to Final Destination too. That is fair. That is fair. And. Again, it's always tough to to differentiate when you've seen a film for the first time versus something you have seen multiple times. Uh, a lot of the times it does make a difference with who you are seeing it with, uh, seeing it with you. And actually having Dustin roll in at the last minute just doing all his stuff was a lot of fun. But yeah, this one, Final Destination 2, though, it's fun. It's I would argue it's, I think, one of my favorites of the series. In fact, I think you Mine could too. make a lot of argumentation in terms of you know, the, the your top three of Final Destination, you can't go wrong with any of them. But yeah, if I'm looking at pure nostalgia, I'm definitely going to go with Final Destination 2. Now, from the heart to the head, and in this case, uh, a wild card, mm-hmm. B-words, we can kind of go wherever you'd like. So genius, Wild West it. What are we doing? Dreamcatcher. I think Dreamcatcher deserves more love than it gets. Okay. I think the... St- the cast is stacked, and they do all a well job. I think people dismiss it as early king and dumb king, and I think that's wrong. I think more people are familiar with uh, Final Destination 2 because it is a big-budget movie, and it is part of a franchise, and it is the best of the franchise. <laughs> but I love me some buffets, and when a movie can be a buffet, 
when a movie can be, it's almost up there like an anthology. It's mm-hmm. a little bit different stories all mixed together, and I kind of view it as that. Plus, you got Morgan Freeman saying shit weasels. And so for Wild Card Bracket, I'm going Dreamcatcher. That is fair. That is fair. And staying with a wild card, I'm actually going to go more Pepe Silva and stay in the It's Always Sunny universe in terms of the weird connections that Pepe Silva was connected to. Who is Pepe Silva? Where is the mail going? Right. And you can make that connection with Final Destination 2. Carolyn HR. In terms of the connections, how is everyone interconnected? So, wild card, I'm going to go with Final Destination 2. Oh, shit. You and, can't escape death. But yeah, by a three of one. S- sorry, Deadits. <laughs> making its way into the round of the Scream 16, Final Destination 2. And it leads us. I think more people do need to check out Dreamcatcher. I would agree because I'm I'm one of those people. And you know, people gave it shit. People still give it shit. They're like, Ugh. you know, I don't think it needs to be dismissed. I think people need to stop sleeping on Dreamcatcher. Ah, that's good. Last bracket topic, last matchup. This is where I think when we talk about why we put this whole tournament together, usually is always celebrating films that we're familiar with. Mm-hmm. But then ideally... Seeing some first-timers. Going outside our realm of comfort. In going fact, outside of our, our country. Traveling, mm-hmm. if you will. And we have seen some amazing movies, had some amazing conversations. And so our last bracket topic, we are going extremely international as both of our films go to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Extreme! They would be taking in a lot of Mountain Dew. And we do have a high-tension... Going up uh, against A Tale of Two Sisters, which one shall we take into first? Let's do High Tension. High Tension. I love the trailer for High Tension. Oh, it's... The one with uh, Sonic Youth's version of Superstar by the Carpenters. Yes. It's the creepiest fucking thing. I love it. And it also is a AKA because it's like Hot Tension, AKA... Switchblade Romance. Yes, which is kind of cool. I like that I actually like that one a lot. I think Switchblade Romance would kind of give it away. That's true. Speaking of give it away... If you uh, have not seen this, we have definitely, for bold movies, we're, we have to spoil the movies. We are going to be the Red Hot Chili Peppers of spoilers because we're... Give it away, give it away, give it away now. And the spoiler to the film is the reason why this is a divisive film, why this is a film that not everyone enjoys, but guaranteed they're going to have a reaction to yeah. it. And do you remember, like, I even remember the hype around this movie. I do too. I remember like, oh, it's like nothing you've ever seen. It's part of the new French new wave extremity. New wave. Right? <laughs> and so like, I like extreme things. Mm-hmm. I like French movies. I have to go all the way to Studio 30 and 119th and Strangline to see this bitch. Yep. Let's do it. So let's go. And I also remember, I didn't see it in the theater. This is one that was a rental. And I was floored by it i loved it yeah it's and the ending never bothered me no because i was always i don't want to say enjoyed the ride because this movie is brutal it's mean as fuck the the siege scene that happens in this movie when you realize and even like the 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 roadhead scene like that whole thing right off the bat right off the bat it's awful it's unsettling and then the variety of kills that, that it's Stephen King approved. Yeah, a dog trauma. Oh, oh horrible warning. dog trauma. Warning. Yeah, this movie and goes places. And very Stephen King approved because that whole chase scene with the sawed-off shotgun and oh, the kid in the cornfield. It's 
That's mean. And again, the, the every kill in this movie is it, not a nice kill. The the death by IKEA. Oh, it's visceral. Oh. It's it look, but that's to its credit of the effects work that was happening that made you question: Is this real? Are we watching a right. snuff movie? And it made and it made uh, Alejandra Aja uh, a name in the horror community. Uh, we and we have now uh, Piranha 3D. Piranha. Thanks for that, Piranha. <laughs> Uh, the Hills Have Eyes remake. Which actually is not too terribly bad. I didn't like two. Two's a little tough. But there's the gore involved and, of course, the ending, which after the first time you watch it, you kind of want to go back, if you're still invested, to see if there are hints. And if the ending pisses you off, it's an unreliable narrator. From the get-go. From the get. Yeah. Look, at, look at American Psycho. Yeah. Well, it's not. it's not unusual to have this kind of setup it's it's the payoff though yeah and if you look and if you think about it it's fucking in the big it's almost the thing like because in the beginning she goes i have a dream where i was chasing myself and i was trying to kill myself and everybody else i wonder what that means go right into it and watching it again it's so brutal you yeah but you're you go okay yes she's pointing it out here she's recognizing something here you can see but it's cool the the iconic imagery of her like just with getting oh, the bat whole, with yeah. the barbed wire bar- again yeah. with the barbed wire and just yeah. standing there and ready to beat beat some ass. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, but then her switcheroo and she like can go crazy and all that. And then I I have always enjoyed this movie. And it's one we actually did an episode two. We did a month on the new French extremity, and it's one of those that we've. Uh, hosted at Tapcade before. Mm-hmm. I think Kansas City Horror Club mm-hmm. did a screening of For it. For Valentine's Day. Oh, man. And it's one that is visceral. It still works to this day. It's, it's, I almost have to be ready for it. And I was anticipating it. So it's Oh, like, I'm okay. always ready for it because it's, it's great. I, it's like, it's, it feels more like an 80s throwback slasher than a lot of those movies nowadays that try to make it feel like an 80s throwback slasher. Yeah. It feels like The Prowler. It feels like My Bloody Valentine, but French. I, I think it's because he's invested, yeah. you know, definitely in the craft. No, this one was a welcome rewatch. Now, from one that we've seen before Ooh. to a first-time watch for both of us and to... Haunting. Well, anytime I think you deal with Korean movies you know things are going to be off and possibly unsettling. Because mm-hmm. when you go is far... I think it is Korean, I believe. Um, in fact, I will double-check as we go into that just in case. But A Tale of Two Sisters is one of those films that I had heard of, uh-huh. but was definitely... And I've seen that. Me too. And I've always seen the cover because I was at my blockbuster. And like... And anything with under the Tartan Asian Extreme banner... <laughs> You know, you're like, oh, I'm expecting some violence, something crazy. This is a slow it, burn, but the atmosphere, the oh. tension, this, this, this is, if high tension is a slasher, old school slasher film, this is gothic hammer horror. This is an old-fashioned ghost story with a crazy twist. Yeah, it is, it is South Korean. I just double-checked to make sure. Perfect. No, I I knew of the ghostly elements going in. I kind of anticipated that. But that's really all I felt. And from the get-go, just with the introduction of our character and how just off things are. But it's gorgeous. Oh, it's wonderfully it's shot. Just, it's so It's serene. lush. But 
every <laughs> everything is just intense mm-hmm. or dour. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Or there's awkward. There's not there's a lot of levity in this one. Not a lot of laughing. Everything is awkward. And we were watching this one together. Lick. And you said from the beginning, you were like, I am just afraid something really bad is going to happen. It's got a terrible vibe. The whole movie, it's beautiful, but the vibe of the movie just feels like something is wrong Mm -hmm. from the get. Like, something is... Like like I said, I'm like, something really, really fucked up is going to happen in this movie. What's funny is we technically really didn't have the the dinner scene in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. No, but we we had bus stuff dinner scene. We had an incredibly weird dinner scene in this one that was... Weird and off-putting. And it like, just got worse because it starts off weird and off-putting, and then you're like, oh, man, how can this get any crazier? She starts fucking oh. having a seizure, and then while she's having a seizure, she starts getting haunted. Yeah, that's that's definitely Still probably peeing. Yeah. yeah, that's definitely one of those things that worked in the movie's favor and not in Frank or Fred's. <laughs> I agree there's... In fact, actually, in that dinner seating uh, setting, there's that moment when they're bringing her out, and she's like, "I saw something under there. There's this little girl," and the image, the image of a girl. And there are there's almost like these weird red herrings put throughout. There's a lot of which I wasn't anticipating because you're like, "Well, what is happening again?" Talking about unreliable narrators, one of the biggest surprises was probably like three quarters of the way through this movie, we realized how wonderful of a pairing it was actually with High Tension beyond just being, you know, Extreme International, the fact that, spoiler alert again for a 20-year-old film, when you find out that the sister's been dead. They're, everything's just been all in her head. It's just been them too, the two the of them. The whole time, and then everything makes sense. That's why the dad was cold to the new wife. Yep. That's why the oh. dad was I- ignoring. And bird trauma in this one also. Crazy bird trauma. <laughs> Again, I'm like, something bad's going to happen in this. And then the great thing about it is right when you think like, okay, everything's wrapped up, there's still 20 more yep. minutes in this movie. Yep. And from the reveal, then it gets crazier. By the time you see, when you see the incident that actually kicks off, all the ghostly stuff and the reason why the mom is dead, the sister is dead, that the sound design in this movie oh, the, was haunting throughout. Oh, you talked about, you know, the imagery, oh, the visuals that we see. This was a it's combination. It's right up there with the knife and the teeth. Oh, it was unsettling. And it was a it was a nice payoff, but I remember when the reveal happens. We were both very quiet for us for a second because I think we were kind of like, well, wait, going back, thinking about thinking how about things played things, out. How did, how did yeah, things, this was a well done puzzle I, because it still had you guessing until it gave you the next piece and, and made you put it together. And you're like, oh, 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 and then you're like, okay, I got it solved. No, I don't. Nope. There's still something else. Wait, so it was in your head, and there's this. And there's that. What the fuck is going on? And at least two jump scares got me good. Both of us got me. There was two scares that just got me really, really good. It was fuck. Uh, and the design of the ghost was terrifying. Oh yeah. And you don't see it, but like for a second, 
And even in the whole entire movie, you only see it like once or twice, and for a second. But you're like, it's fuck. Yeah. No. Yeah. This was not again having lowered expectations, not as much knowledge going in. This was such a nice surprise. And the one of the reasons, again, why I love that we do this. Thing. When the hand came out of the dress. Nope. 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 That unsettling, terrifying. Ugh. 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 So go out. Oh, getting. Getting. He's doing. Going. Okay. <laughs> I, I love that we're getting Cat Care 101 and into our Mouth of Match oh, Madness. Yeah, we'll get him. We'll get him. So a lot of love given to both of these films. Let's uh, do a little Cat Care here. Um, which of the two films, High Tension, Tale of Two Sisters, closer to your heart there, genius? I, again, it's hard from a first time yep. to it. I've seen that. Yep. I've always gone to bed for high tension, and I'm not going to stop now. Close to the heart, I'm going to go high tension. But I fucking love Tales of Two Sisters. Holy shit. Go to bat with it with a barbed wire around it there. I also, this is a tough one, from one, you know, seeing it in the theater with people before to a first-timer. Although the first-time experience was pretty memorable, again, getting to see it with a buddy. But I also am going to go with high tension because seeing it at Tapcade with a crowd, Mm -hmm. always a good time. Now, from the heart to the head... The bracket topic, extremely international. Both have elements of extreme. Uh, which one was the more extreme for you, genius? I, so while I think for what the most extreme, there, when you know new French extremity, you're expecting gore. Mm-hmm. You're expecting crazy violence. And with that, high tension has it. Yep. You, get, you get what, as promised, on the tin. With Tartanesian Extreme, you really don't know what kind of extreme you're going to get. And this one, I'm expecting violence and crazy gore. I wasn't expecting intense atmosphere and intense, uh, uh, well-crafted jump scares and just the intense, haunting beauty of both the scenery, the the the, the weird romantic, not romantic, the love between the two sisters... Mm-hmm. And the love of the father trying to do his best for whatever's going on. So that, I was not expecting that kind of extreme. And those jump scares got me great. So for extremely international, Mm -hmm. because you never know what to expect with any (laughs) Asian extreme, I'm going to go with Tale of Two Sisters. And I will say that is uh, the Tartan Asian extreme is one of those brands and labels that for me was always one of those almost like do I dare rent a movie from that label? Because what am I going to see? It's extreme, Mm -hmm. right? But the French new extremity, you know, I've taken in several of those, and maybe it's just uh, quantity versus quality, I can't tell, but because I've taken in more of the French extremity versus the new Tartan extreme, for me, extremely international. I'm going to go on the high-tension side. So by a count of three to one, uh, making its way unreliably into the round of the Scream 16, Asia has high tension, which means... But don't sleep on Tale of Two Sisters. No, 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 no. no. to watch it, it's... Don't expect craziness. It's more like slow burn. I want don't want to say A24. No, no. But it's, it's well-crafted. It's a scary ghost story. Yeah, it is. So uh, we've got the Texas Chainsaw Massacre going up against House of a Thousand Corpses. <laughs> <laughs> And then Final Destination. So Hillbilly, Hillbilly Hootenanny 2. 
Deja vu. No, this is the hoedown. Electric hoedown. Electric hoobaloo. And then we have Final Destination 2 going up against High Tension. Ooh. Logging Chuck versus Barbed Wire. I think there are going to be some conversations to be had, and had they will, here on Friday, as we're inviting two of our favorite podcasts to come and share the madness. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Meow. Meow.